Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Here tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. The court portion is is over. The jury has the case at this point. Uh, Today, there were a couple more quick defense witnesses. All the defense witnesses have been pretty quick because... You know, they're all basically unimpeachable, good business owners and other people from the area that I've assisted with accepting cryptocurrency or learning about uh, crypto and that sort of thing. And when you're lying, you don't have to, like, weave this long story together with the prosecution. So when they question you, they, they you have an answer. You mean when you're telling the truth? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you're right. telling the truth, you don't have to do that. Yeah, and then the prosecution tries to cross-examine them, but they really don't have anything they can press them on because, well, again, these are just like unimpeachable good people. So. Oh, you know what was the funniest cross that came out of that today was Georgiana McDonald saying to Mohammed, the owner of the Indian restaurant in Keene today. Does just a ba- nice guy. A really nice guy. Yeah. He, she said to him, does Bitcoin have anything to do with the Muslim re- religion? Like Bitcoin that was invented in two thousand like nine, yeah, and Islam that was in, invented in like I don't know three thousand years ago. <laughs> there were a couple of points today where the prosecution said things where I'm like, that's kind of just blatantly racist. Oh yeah, you know, um, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but they were they pulled up a picture of a black gentleman and then just made some comment they that said, was does this shirtless man look like he's uh, the yes, ceo of anything right. and alu is going to write an article and he said the title's going to be um federal government says black kids can't be ceos right i mean essentially yeah. that's what cuz i looked at him and i'm like i when i looked at him it's i the first thing i think is not oh this guy's clearly from africa and he's a scammer he's you know there are plenty it's of the guy in his house or whatever. Yeah, and he was yeah. in his house. If, if he was in an office shirtless, that might be like weird, but he yeah. just looked like he was in his house and he was, uh, I don't know, just taking a picture quickly. Who cares if he was wearing a shirt? Ian's shirtless on his, actually at his job all the time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, their their case, it really just seems to, to revolve around the idea that I should have judged people for how they spoke online and that people from Nigeria are all bad. That's basically and what And that old bro- people are all stupid. To. Yeah. I mean, they actually said that today, <laughs> that old people yeah. are stupid. They don't know how to use cryptocurrency. They don't know how to use computers. An old person would never be interested in buying cryptocurrency, according yeah. to these prosecutors. And they said, why wouldn't a why would an old person want to invest in Bitcoin when it's so volatile? Only a young person would do that. That doesn't make sense. No, it to doesn't. me, it makes more sense that an old person who has more secure money would be more likely to be investing in anything, and a younger person would be like, "Got to pay the bills. Maybe I can try to invest, you know, later." Right. Yeah. Older people are definitely, you know, they they're more well healed just in general. The prosecutor goes, closing statement. Defense goes, closing statement. And then the prosecutor does sort of this rebut. And it's supposed to be shorter than his original closing statement. And thankfully it was. Uh, but Still wasn't like, you know, it two minutes. Short. It yeah. was like 15 yeah. or something. Yeah. He got to just lay in to any points that he wanted to. And then that's the end. Well, I was that's timing it. it. His closing statement originally, the prosecution was... an hour and was, 15. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was over an hour long. I'm like looking at my watch like, and he's like, okay, my final point. And then he would talk for another 30 minutes. I'm like, this is not what the word final means. Final Mm -hmm. means you're about to wrap it up, not I'm going to talk for another hour. Yeah, and of course he trotted all all kinds of uh, lies and misinformation. And it's just, hopefully the jury can see through this stuff, you know? I mean, I 
everything he I did so. was basically you should speculate this way. You should speculate and you should come to this conclusion based on your speculation. He wasn't li- lining up any facts that I could see. He was that, blatantly lying. There, there were parts yeah. that, where he was just blatantly lying. And then he started trash talking Ian. Like at no point did Ian go up there and just trash talk the prosecution to try to get out of anything. But the prosecution went up there and was like, Ian is a lying, manipulative, mm. uh, yeah. super genius. Oh, who- yeah. If I'd said that about them, I'd be held in contempt or something yeah. if I <laughs> said that. Even though it's true. That guy's a lying, manipulative... Well, he's not a super genius. He's well, retarded. Yeah. Somebody said that the everything the prosecution was saying was true about themselves. Mm-hmm. Everything they were saying about me was actually true yeah. about them. Projecting. Yeah, like, who's actually, you know, getting taxpayer dollars to sit around and do basically nothing. They haven't had a trial in two years. And I bet during COVID, they were just getting paid to literally not go there at all. Mm, could be. So that was, uh, you know, today's day. The jury took the case at about three o'clock in the afternoon, and that pretty much cleared the courthouse out because, I mean, realistically, who wants to sit around and just wait for what could be days? We don't know at this point. Um, they, One of the things I did learn, uh, and I don't know if this happens in state court, I don't recall this, because I did have a jury trial uh, when, I was, when I stood in front of a police cruiser as a protest a decade ago. And I don't recall an instruction from the judge which told the jurors, okay, you guys get to set your own schedule. I don't get to tell you when to show up. So I kind of thought that was interesting that the jury can just say, like, if the jury was like, yeah, we don't want to come until noon. They could do that if they wanted to. And if they just want to take a whole day off or maybe more than one day off, they could. So if the jury just said, you know, we want to break for Christmas now. They could break for Christmas now and come back sometime next week, apparently. So essentially, they're like, they are now the court, and they get to make their own decisions about when to go or when to stay. So they could have stayed, you know, deep into the night tonight if they wanted to. Like, if things were, maybe they thought things were close, right? Like, they just need to persuade one more person to vote one way or whatever. Maybe they would have stuck it out. There would just be better ways to make money, I feel like. Like, why would you... I don't know. I just feel like that's such a silly thing to be like the crux of their argument. Like the only way for Ian to make money was to work for scammers. That's all they had, though. They have nothing. Well, they don't have any actual. So one of the charges against me is a conspiracy count for so-called money laundering in regards to wire fraud, Uh, meaning that they have to prove that I conspired with wire fraudsters in in order to take their money and launder it or whatever and there's like there's never been any conversation like that with any wire fraudster at all they didn't present any evidence of any kind of conspiracy to do that however the conspiracy count claims that conspiracies can be unspoken so i think that's what they're oh so that's where the wink wink and the nod nod keeps coming in right they said that a thousand times throughout this whole trial maybe it can be unspoken with people you know but how could it be unspoken with people you don't know and never met and never contact yeah that's basically the the argument that they're trying to make and it's just the most ridiculous thing and then i mean everything just seems so paper thin with this case the other one is another money laundering count Uh, so that was a conspiracy to money launder that one and then there's an actual money laundering count which is they're both 20 year maximum or 20 year maximum sentences on each of those counts so they're very similar but the actual so-called money laundering count is the undercover officer from the IRS who tried his damnedest to get me to do some sort of a trade with him after he told me he was a heroin dealer and I told him I would not do that 
And so they're trying to say, oh, yeah, but you didn't tell him no explicitly in the way that we think you should have. So therefore, it's money laundering is what they're saying, even though I wouldn't do a transaction with him. Oh, yeah, well, he went to your vending machine that you told him he couldn't use. Everything is just like (laughs) relying upon them reading your mind. Yeah. And and saying that the jury should do so, too, which Which is is speculation, which is not proof. And that's what Sisti pointed out. Uh, during his closing statement, it's like, all they have is speculation. You know, you're supposed to go on facts, and they just want you to speculate on what might have been happening. This story that they want you to believe. So the question is, does the jury buy uh, the prosecution story from the man who's shouting at them, basically yeah. yelling, raising his voice. I would, maybe not shouting, but definitely like a raised voice and a raised pitch at these jurors. Like he just comes right out of the gate at this closing statement and just just starts. I mean, almost yelling at these jurors. It's a very strange approach. Do no, what I want. Know? That's yeah. probably how he acts in his real right. life. It's almost like he's like a angry teacher trying to bully. He uh, reminds students. me of like how people get when they're angry alcoholics. Mm. They just get very shouty like that, red mm-hmm. in the face, like super amped up. One more just great thing that happened today. So Sissy brought the raid back up during his closing uh, statements. You know, he played the whole video, the video again, all over yeah. again, and then when the said they framed the prosecution got his little rebuttal at the end he said this has nothing to do with ian's charges even though it's it it was the day you got arrested but anyways it all they're trying to do he's saying all sissy is trying to do is say look over here look at this shiny object Mm. and i was just like wow he's just trying to tell the jurors that they're too stupid to come to conclusions basically like Mm -hmm. uh, the conclusion says he was trying to make them uh, not make them but uh, suggest to them point them to was that this is over prosecuted case that is just all about being mean to Ian Freeman. I know it's it a sounds silly, but yeah. yeah, it's absolutely a witch hunt. And he called it something else too. He he called it like a search or something oh, when yeah, he was like, referring it, to the raid. He wouldn't say raid. He was like the entry. The entry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the the entry. Breaking and entry. Search. The prosecutor said. Yeah. It's not, trying to play it down as much yeah. as possible. And then uh, the other point was that. When he was doing his re- uh, redirect closing, whatever you want to call it, the sort of the final statement that he was doing, he spent the bulk of the time talking about this thing that didn't matter that he says that he yep. says doesn't matter to the case. He still spent a good chunk of the time trying to kind of rebut and minimize because he knows what that it was. does matter to people. When yeah, people does. see that, that's upsetting, mm-hmm. and it's a clear. You know, overuse of force. It was clearly unnecessary. And then he trots out the image of Matt's gun collection, basically. <laughs> yeah. Again, that thing. And I think that that could easily backfire on them because any of those uh, jurors who have guns or like their husband has guns, mm-hmm. that could happen to them anytime the government wants to get them for a crime. They can look for crime and not have to send them an email to come to the IRS and ex- uh, have an audit. Instead, they are going to get their windows bashed in because they legally own guns. And they have admitted a million times in court that those guns were legally owned and the government knew about them. And that is their excuse for breaking our house down, throwing a grenade in the backyard, yeah. uh, letting coconut run around the yard. David is in uh, Texarkana there in Arkansas. Go ahead, David. Yeah, I, I just want to throw a different perspective at it. I'm not going to try to keep my opinion out of it, um, but, like, if we compare things to minimum wage now versus then, 
Uh, eggs were twice the minimum wage. Uh, milk was four times the cost of minimum wage. Gasoline was twice the cost of minimum and wage. And what is the then that we're talking about, just to clarify what year you're uh, referring to? Over the last, well, starting from 1900, I've been doing a lot of looking into price history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a car, Henry Ford started out with his first car only for the rich, and he got it down to $250, which was six months' wages at minimum wage. Now we can barely afford anything. Uh, people used to pay for houses and cars in cash. Sure. Now it's uh, it's gotten up. It started out as a five-year loan. Now I make $10 an hour, and I looked around. I can't afford anything. The lowest rent at anything decent livable is $1,000. Right. That's Rents have been weeks. going up big time. I believe 30, 40%. Yeah. Some people have seen increases like that in just the last year. Uh, and that's because, of course, property taxes have been going up. Our friend Captain Kickass, who was on with right. us last night, he had a home that he bought, I think, in 2020 at $100,000. It was just reassessed by his town government to $200,000. Wow. So his property taxes literally doubled. That's crazy. Yeah, then, it's it's three and a half week uh, wages for me to afford rent. That's but nuts. Our cost of goods are down. I mean, public transportation was better back then. They probably uh, the cost of goods probably went a whole lot up and then a little down. Well, okay, they so, haven't been you know down down recently. Well, you were saying though, David, is that. Uh, what was it? Uh, eggs, for instance, you said was was what was it? Two or uh, twice minimum wage. Minimum wage in nineteen hundred was ten cents. In, in nineteen hundred, you said right. And so eggs okay. costed like fourteen cents. If the you they said seven twenty twenty cents. So here's the thing. And also remember daily goods like eggs and milk. Well, at least we know milk was hand delivered. Right. Well, that sounds almost house. worse because you're saying it would take two hours to be able to afford. A carton of eggs, but now it takes way less than one hour for like it would take a third of your hour to buy. Right. right. So what he's saying is the cost has come down, okay. even though the price is up, quote unquote. Oh. The cost has come down, and I oh, think the other thing beyond what you're saying about the hand delivery is also that uh, manufacturing has become far more efficient, right? So the price exactly. of manufacturing so, is way more efficient and. Like, everybody clicks on Amazon, mm-hmm. every single thing you buy comes out of China. Like, 1940, uh, that, uh, about roughly that time when Roosevelt came in after mm-hmm. the Dust Bowl and he changed everything around, um, Hoover didn't want to get involved, but Roosevelt coming in, and that's when we started subsidizing food. So the government's now also pay, taking our tax money and throwing it into the, the farms. And uh, and that so screws that, everything that kinda, up when you get perverse incentives. Up. Right when you subsidize a, a product, a, a crop, or eggs, or milk, or whatever it is, it definitely, as Bonnie says, gives perverse incentives. Right. It causes you know sometimes overproduction. It's basically and, been causing disease because ever since yeah. the government got involved in agriculture, they say, "Oh, we demand you use uh, the, these kind of fertilizers and stuff because." It's going to make the most possible grains pop out of the ground as possible. But as uh, George Washington Carver discovered, you can only do that for so long without 
or in actually come out with a product that has any nutritional value because the health of the soil matters to the health of the right. plant. Well, and that's where um, like paired cropping comes in, where you um, plant different crops together because it mm-hmm. helps replenish the soil. And the whole subsidies with corn in particular, that's where corn syrup came from because they wanted more products it, to right. use with corn. The taxed sugar imports. Yeah. And then, yeah. So instead of real cane sugar or honey or maple mm-hmm. syrup, now we're just, I mean, you can't get a candy or any processed food without corn syrup in it. And we know part, yeah. it's super toxic to the human body. You're on Free Talk Live, Major. All right. Yeah, you guys were just brought, you brought up high fructose corn syrup. Yep. Yes, and uh, that that stuff is toxic, and the Mexican government will not allow it in their country. Really, a lot of countries won't. A lot of Europe. There are so many ingredients in American food that in Europe or in Mexico they don't use. They're actually outlawed because they're so toxic and dangerous to humans. Wow, I didn't know that they were actually outlawed in Mexico. That's interesting. I don't know if that's true that's outlawed, but they are more likely to use sugar. And the only reason I say that is because the Mexican film crew that's been here, they said that uh, they get the uh, high fructose corn syrup ketchup in Mexico too. But Mm. it's just like you can get it. But all their sodas have cane sugar in it usually in Mexico. Yep. Always buy, always buy the Mexican Coke, man. The Mexican right. Coke is the stuff, you know? And I right. believe that it's toxic for you because when I started getting, like, the fattest I've ever been in 2019, and I was just like, okay, I need to do something about this, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I it was hard. It, there was lots of hurdles for me to really live a super healthy lifestyle at the time, including being poor. Mm-hmm. I was like, all I'm going to do is cut out soda and try to walk more. But I didn't, like, start walking a crazy amount yeah. But I lost like 20 pounds. Like I didn't change my diet that was really bad at all except for... Makes a for big difference. Mm-hmm. Not it's drinking all soda. just calories. Yeah. Well, right. and, you know, high fructose corn syrup was just toxic to your if, body. If America, if America could give up soda pop and the people that are really obese probably have a gluten problem and yeah. they need to give up wheat-based stuff and the pounds just fall off. Well, but, I... Uh, do, Did you guys know that Henry Ford inadvertently caused the Dust Bowl, which led to the Great Depression? I feel like I've heard that before, but I don't remember the reason why. I never heard it from about Henry Ford. On the Great Prairie, the rains are so infrequent. All the native grasses had like six, eight-foot roots. So when you kill them all and you put down something that only carries an eight, ten, twelve-inch root base, when it gets good and dry one time. Poof, there goes the world. Mm. So are you talking about the tractors? I remember hearing stories that you could tell what state a storm started in by the color of dust that was flying in the damn air. Mm-mm. Wait, so what did that have to do with what Henry did, yeah, Ford? Well, I was going to say, yeah, well, Henry Ford was the one that created the first mass-assembled tractor. Yeah, that's oh. what I figured, yeah. Yeah. I got one sitting in my front yard, 1954. I could totally believe that just huh. based on what I've read in just this one book called The Secret Life of Plants. Um, in the um, sections they have about soil health, they said that you don't need to do all that tilling if you plant the right things in the ground. Because like lots of things we call weeds, plants we call weeds, appear as indicators of things about soil health or they appear to fix it. Like dandelions... They come if your uh, soil, I think it's low in calcium or, or maybe it's zinc or something, and they 
get really, really deep roots and they pull it up from the deeper level. So you wouldn't need to till if like you were letting the ground be natural. Let's talk to Bad Slave in New Hampshire. Go ahead, Bad Slave. Hi. Uh, thanks for uh, taking my call. Yes, sir. Go I, ahead. I um, wanted to just say uh, again, you know, man, thank you very much for uh, Ian for standing up for, in this trial. Um, I have I have a question about your uh, your judge. You said there was a how many page jury instruction? Forty five was it's it? It's forty five pages in length, but it's not they're not full pages. Like there's some pages that have like one paragraph on them. So it took about an hour and change to uh to read through the whole thing today. was there any indication of of uh the possibility of uh jury nullification? No, he like banned any Talk about that in name or practice. Well, the defense wasn't allowed to talk about it. That was a uh, motion the pri- uh, the prosecution made weeks, if not a few couple months before the trial happened. So we were barred from uh, from speaking about jury nullification, which is to be expected. It's federal court. Uh, they do not like jury nullification in federal court. But that said, there was a provision in the uh, the jury instructions that I thought was was pretty decent. Uh, and that is in the conclusion. It says, if you find the U.S. attorney has proved all of the elements of the crime charged beyond a reasonable doubt, including the identity of the defendant as the perpetrator of the crime, then you may find the defendant guilty. And I was surprised to see that in there instead of like a word like shall or should must or something or like that. Uh, it's like they, in Magic the Gathering. It's a may, not a must. Yeah, they used may. And now whether or not the jury will notice that is another question, but it but it is there. It does not say that they have to find the person guilty, even if all of the the counts, the items or whatever you call them were were proven within the within the charge. So so that is basically a jury nullification instruction. At the very least it's a jury nullification friendly instruction. Yeah, hinting at it yeah. at least. Yeah. And um like one person that was sitting in the audience with me, I immediately heard her say, May. So she got it right away. Yeah. It's not like impossible but, for a juror. But the thing is whether the jury picks up on that, because some people probably believe that may and must and shall, mm, like those thing. are all, you know, synonyms. Yeah. Maybe so. not if they play Magic the Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they do. <laughs> so there you go, Bad Slave. That's that's a little bit of good news about it. But of course, we also were dealing with the prosecution that gets to go last uh, they get to go first in the jury in, uh, in the closing statements. The defense then follows up, and then the prosecution gets to go again for a rebuttal. So it's, it's definitely not a fair system to uh, to a defendant. Did, did uh, you know the people that were in the courtroom? Uh, was there any uh, emotion expressed by the jurors? It's hard to tell. They all have masks on, so you really can't get any kind of... I saw, like, none today. Normally, I can tell if someone's smiling or looking confused or, like, shocked. But today, it was like whenever they were getting uh, talked to from the closing statements or the jury uh, instructions, they were, like, really stone-faced today. Like, whenever Mm -hmm. Sissy asked them a question, even, I was, like, looking to see if any of them would kind of involuntarily nod yes or no. They were not moving. We go to Crichton on the line in Kentucky. Crichton, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. How's it going? Welcome, sir. Um, 
I, w- I was inspired by your previous conversation to call in because I consider myself a permaculturist. What is and that? A permaculturist is someone who, who who gardens in such a way that the that the result is permanent, is ongoing, sustainable. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and one of the big problems with with the the way we do farming is is commonly called the phosphorus problem. <clears throat> phosphorus being an element that is not soluble in water, it doesn't you can't get it out of the air. Um, but it, it's roughly one percent of all life on Earth by weight. But it's not that common in 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 the universe. Okay. It's not even one percent in the universe. So the problem is is that as you grow these crops and you grow them up and then you cut them down and then you ship them off the property, you are exporting the phosphorus that you have in your property away from the soil. And Mm -hmm. that is the big problem. And it's an example of of so many different micronutrients that phosphorus is the one to look at. And it's why so many commercial fertilizers require it. Mm -hmm. It's one of the three majors in the uh, number system. So nitrogen, phosphorus, what's the third one? I'm having a blank myself, okay. so I don't remember. I've seen it on the, like, uh, the gardening bags of uh, fertilizer or soil or whatever. I just, I'm not a, I'm not so a gardening expert. A, so, As a permaculturist, would the solution to that be you don't pick the whole plant if you're going to get rid of it, you're you're going to eat like the fruit that's off it and leave it there until it dies naturally. Is that what the answer is? No, there's not one solution. But the the key point to keep in mind is that there has to be a cycle. If you're going to export products from your property, you have to be able to return uh, uh, biomass to your property, and in, in roughly the same way. Um, and the way it's done historically to do that is that when you take uh, crops off your your farmland, you're bringing back manure from wherever mm-hmm. you can get it from. That, mm-hmm. that is the common way to do it, but it's not the only way to do it. Yeah. But the key is to keep a, uh, the mind a cycle, like you would the water cycle, but except in, in this case you're thinking of the phosphorus cycle. As long as you can keep replenishing your, your own land space naturally, you don't have to, to deal with the uh, commercial uh, problem of the commercial solution of buying fertilizer to replenish your ground well and that's becoming a problem now right because uh of the sanctions against russia that's that's harming uh fertilizer production isn't it yes because that's one of the big places we get it from one of the big solutions is is planting accumulator plants and dandelion is a perfect example of an accumulator plant it has a deep tap root goes down and picks up uh, nutrients from several feet down that most plants can't reach and draws them up. And when it, it, it lays it on the topsoil when it dies. Hmm. And that includes phosphorus? That is correct. Okay. All and right. like most people are just like, oh, I have this, uh, you know, yard and I hate these dandelions. I'm going to kill them. But they don't realize it's an indicator of poor soil health and that's going to cause more issues with your lawn. Well, and I mean, it, how are they killing them? Are they just pulling them up? Or are they pouring poison mm-hmm. all over their lawn? And that was something that I never understood when people use those sort of herbicides and Round pesticides. Up. Yeah. yeah, Roundup and things like this. Because so you're going to put poison all over the food or the 
the building blocks of the food that you're about to eat. It just never really made that much sense to me. Yeah. Crichton? And dandelion makes for an excellent salad. Yep. yep, dandelion greens. Yeah, Very people, bitter. You, people eat that all the time. Uh, be, be, like Southern people used to eat it because they were like yeah. poor or whatever, but uh, they you can eat that and it has lots of good stuff for you. I forgot what it is, calcium or something. Yeah, good I'm more know. of a fan of the teas because they're super, super bitter. Mm. I don't know if you guys have ever had dandelion greens. I don't think so, but Bonnie, you picked some local fl- or some flowers around our yard once and that made was, a tea out of that. That was clovers. Okay, yeah. The young dandelion leaves are not bitter. Okay. Yeah, the ones I had were very long. They were big. You are on the air, sir. Go ahead. I think y'all got a great platform, you know, uh, and we do need a third party in this country, something kind of in the middle. I think a lot of people are more in the middle than they are to the right or the left anymore. And with y'all's party, I mean, y'all's platform Y'all reach in now. I'm calling from Ocala, Florida tonight. Okay. And, you know, I'm talking to y'all and hearing you on the radio listen quite often. Thank and you. The election's coming up and stuff, and the best way to infiltrate the government, I mean, to take over or change the government is to infiltrate it, you know, with uh, politicians across the well, one of the problems is, and I and I say this as somebody who's been involved with the Libertarian Party for in Florida. Yeah, well, I was in Florida, yeah, um, for the first twenty six years of my life. But as somebody who was involved with the Libertarian Party, I'm involved with them up here in New Hampshire as well. Um, it is hard to be a third party. It is not as easy as just okay, you form a third party and then and then you win. Well, you because know, the other two parties will work together for one thing, and that's to yeah. kick you out. Right. Well, it's still a duopoly. It doesn't matter if there's other parties. You know, there's the Green Party, and I'm sure there. I think there's the Rainbow Party now too, but. They're None essentially non-existent. The yeah, you, exactly. it's very hard to get to the ballot because, as Bonnie pointed out, the Republicans and Democrats, they team up to make ballot access very, very difficult. And it makes it near to impossible in a lot of places for third parties to even get their candidates' names on the ballot. In many cases, they'll spend all their money trying to get on the ballot. Maybe they will get there, but then they don't have any money left to actually run a campaign. And then further, even if they do get on the ballot, the mainstream media is not going to report on them because they don't want to upset the duopoly. They, they won't get invited to debates either. They won't they won't get money from ad buys and things yep. like that. So they will they will turn away the libertarians or the greens or whoever the other third parties are. So it's unfortunately good. I agree fully with what you're trying to say as far as the third parties just think that attraction, but at the same time the you know uh, it, it would Make them adjust what they're doing if somebody's taking away votes from them. Well, that would happen if if someone could take away votes from them. But the reason why a bunch of us have migrated to New Hampshire, because, again, I, I used to live in Florida. I was born there and raised there. But the reason I moved ultimately to New Hampshire as a libertarian uh, activist is because of the Free State Project, which was the idea of moving, and it still exists, but moving thousands of like-minded liberty-oriented activists to the same geographic area in this case a geographic area that is much smaller physically than florida and much lower population than florida so we can actually have an impact here uh as opposed to in florida where we were barely even acknowledged in any way shape or form if you go into a debate with 
the people you're always debating, which is the other side, then you pretty much know what you're dealing with, right? Like, you know what all of their positions are. It's not that hard to figure it out. But if you throw in a third party in there, well, maybe you haven't done your research. Maybe you don't know what their ideas are going to be, and you don't know how to respond to them. They don't want to be put into a situation like that. So, But we were talking about how the libertarians uh, ultimately are just going to continue failing because there just aren't enough libertarians. There's just not enough physically. The party libertarians. Any libertarians. There just aren't enough libertarians, whether they're in the party or they're not in the party. There oh. just aren't enough to get anything done anywhere. I mean the rest of the country. Yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, just in general, in the world, there's just not enough libertarians. So that's why the Free State Project was necessary, because you're never going to convert enough, quote-unquote, people to the uh, the libertarian belief system, because there's too many people that don't believe in liberty. There's too many people that want to be told what to do, or they want to be telling people what to do. But Hank, you mentioned, uh, so, so that's why the Free State Project's been working. It's working amazingly. The liberty-minded people are actually getting elected here in New Hampshire, and the numbers of libertarians that are concentrated in one geographic area have been going up over the years. Now there are at least a few thousand of them here, and that means we probably have more activists than the Democrats and the Republicans do in the state. And that's going to just keep getting better for us. But uh, as far as the Libertarian Party, Hank, you said that it was too extreme in your mind. And I'm curious, what about the Libertarian Party uh, is too extreme for you? Well, I believe that if you're going to have a community of any size, more than probably 10 families, you're going to need some form of government. Why? So they can need some form of law enforcement. And you're probably going to need some form of uh, military to keep anybody from trying to overtake you. Well, I don't think the Libertarian Party... Uh, uh, I was going to say, I didn't mean to cut him off, but the first part is just like, why do you need government to tell you what to do if you already know what is right? Well, if you took an island and put 10 families on the island within a generation or even less than a few years, there would be, be people feeling that things should be done this way and people feeling that things should be done that way. And there would... This isn't an island. I I don't like when people bring it to an island discussion. I don't think that that's really realistic because it's not like we're going to ever be in a situation where we're all on limited resources like this tiny place together and we have to live basically in in, in each other's houses if you want to do something a certain way go do that on your own property and let me do something my certain way without coming and breaking a tank into my house and putting me in handcuffs and carrying me away because i want to do something a way that you don't agree with i mean i get the point that he's trying to make i mean yeah you wouldn't need no government you wouldn't need no military you wouldn't need no police but we don't live in an ideal world and, it's you know, not about being an ideal world with borders, so you do have a group of people within an area that okay need it, well hank before you go on about this because you brought up a bunch of things you talked about government and police and military and i can't say i'm not a representative for the libertarian party i don't have their party platform in front of me, but knowing what I know about them from the years that I've been involved with the Libertarian Party, I don't think most Libertarians are out there saying that all of those things need to be abolished. Well, there's absolutely no accountability, like you mentioned. So somebody can come here, smash the windows out, harass peaceful people. And even if, you know, for, you know, speaking of the Crypto 6 trial, even if Ian is found innocent... Not like there, no one is going There's to no pay. For There's no punishment yeah. for the people that came here or the people that gave those orders 
to attack peaceful people, you know. It sounds like, Hank, you might agree that the government has gone too far, that they are too big, too too oppressive. I mean, is that right? Oh, yeah, I agree that fully. Okay. The only way to change it is to uh, elect people who are more in the middle. But that's not working, is it? We've got politicians that have been around this country for 40 years. Here, here's the problem, though, Hank. The people in the middle just want to tell you what to do, too. I mean, whatever it means to be in the middle. I mean, we're talking about the people that seek these seats generally are power-seeking individuals, whether they call themselves middle, center, left, right, whatever it is they call themselves. These are all authoritarians who want to shove their views down your throat. They go after these seats of power because that's what they're looking for. The productive people that are actually decent folks, people like Ron Paul, that guy is an unusual character when it comes to government because he's one of the few who actually is a productive person, meaning he's an actual doctor who does something of value for society, who actually took time out of his productive life and went and did this, you know, politician thing. Most of these guys are professional bureaucrats, they're professional parasites, they're psychopaths, and they're lunatics, and they want to destroy people's freedom. And just voting your way out of the problem has never worked in the history of the United States, Hank. And having the and the problem is having the power in the first place. So and Unless you can somehow reduce the power that these people have, you will never see any kind of change. And, of course, how do you do that? How how is that even a possibility? I I don't think it is. I think that most places are on a one-way track to more tyranny, uh, and I don't see any easy way out of it. I I don't think there should be violence. I don't think violence is the solution, but it's hard to see voting is going to change anything. Well, it's just the politicians. If you've got a platform... That certain politicians can run for. And yeah, you can. There will be people step up and run. Another Florida man, Jack, is on the line in Orlando. Go ahead, Jack. Hey, guys. Uh, just wanted to let you know I, I really love the show. I love you guys, Thanks. man. Uh, Ian, thank mm-hmm. you so much for all you do. Man, uh, I'm, I actually uh, follow you guys on Twitter, Jack Bowman88. Um, okay, I've seen I love you guys, uh, man. You got, and Ian, you're, you're the best, man. You do so much for liberty. You're like the main reason why you got me interested in these ideas in the first place. Just hearing you, and I'm not sure who else was on the radio back in those days. Maybe Mark and um, I what radio station were you listening to? This was a long time ago. This is growing up in Florida, uh, in Palm Beach County, um, just on AM radio. Uh, I just came across it. Oh I was wow! So before that, my dad got me into Rush Limbaugh and things like that. So I became like a constitutional mm-hmm. conservative, basically. Um, or Republican, and then, but I realized, you know, that the Constitution is about the principles of liberty, and you're not really following those principles of liberty nowadays. Mm-hmm. So that got me interested in, in what you had to say about the state, about volunteerism, and just like the, just you advocating for volunteerism made made such an impact in my life. Now I am one, I want to promote volunteerism as much as I can, and that's what my Twitter is all about. So uh, yeah, and, and I also wanted to. Um, piggyback on what the last caller was saying about uh, libertarianism being kind of extreme. Um, but I, I see a shift in the country as far as, and maybe even in the world, uh, in, in realizing that it's not extreme to want voluntary interaction with all people. And with How are you government. seeing a shift? I mean, I appreciate your optimism, but can you explain uh-huh. where you see this shift after COVID, where everybody was, tell me what to do, I'll put on a mask, I mean, I'll jump through whatever hoops you want, and with a smile on my face? I mean, that's what I saw. 
Well, I see it as, as more of like a, in a spiritual sense. Like I can see us coming out of this haze and like re- waking up to realize that it's going to take it's going to take people like you doing what you're doing and, and migrations. And but slowly people will begin to wake up. And the worse it gets, the more people are going to wake up. That's true. They're gonna face, you know, so I think it's, gonna, well, it's only going to get more conducive to the people that are trying to fight against the state. Um, and one other thing I wanted to quickly bring up was, uh, do you think you're going to be able to, uh, were you able to introduce the uh, jury, anything about jury nullification? Or no, you no. We were banned uh, talking about jury nullification before the trial even started. The prosecution, they motioned to the court to prohibit any kind of talk about jury nullification in name or in substance. So, ah. no. The closest I came to it was saying that I did jury rights outreach i, I was yeah. able to say that in front of the uh, the jury while i was testifying but that was it they seem to you know cock their heads at that too like what do you mean you know mm-hmm. uh, you should be able to tell the jury that they have the power they, should, they, they should be able to they have the power to nullify these unjust any kind of unjust law any any law that they think is not just or is not being implemented gordon is on the line in illinois outside of chicago go ahead gordon on our sip line hey. I'm kind of uh, sad that Mark's not on the show tonight because I wanted to take this up with him. Well, he is listening tonight, so he can hear what you're saying. Hello, Mark. Um, I have an idea for capital punishment that I think even Mark could could identify with, and I know he's pretty heavily opposed to it. I suspect most of us on the show are opposed to capital punishment. That's killing people, right? That's correct. Yeah, it's a death penalty. Let's 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 try this on for size. Okay. there is a saying that a man dies twice, once when his body stops and again when his name is spoken for the last time. Mm. Okay. And we've practiced capital punishment uh, worldwide for recorded history, mm-hmm. and we've always done it by the first method. And I suppose we could try uh, capital punishment by the second method. So let's say we have a mass shooting. Somebody drives their car through a crowd of people or something. Um, we just don't say their name. The news reports don't report their name. Um, when you talk about them, you talk about that person who drove through the crowd. You don't say their name. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that, because I hear it on the news, when something bad happens, that person's name is is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why is this doofus famous? Yeah. And, that's what, and if a they're a psycho... Thing? They probably right. love that. Yeah. They love the attention. So, mm-hmm. And sometimes they give so them a cool way, nickname, you know? You take their you mm-hmm. take their name out of the press, and they're just that person that did the evil thing. And what's interesting about this, I know Mark's objection is people make mistakes. And once you've executed somebody, they're dead. They're gone. Mm. You can't do anything about it. But if we use this method, we could execute them actually before they've even been tried. And then when uh, if they're found not guilty, you can talk about them again. You can say today Joe Blow was released from prison after being cleared of all charges. And you apologize. He goes on with his life. And now not only have you reversed his execution, well, but why would that be necessary? His, why wouldn't we just have give him a yeah? But he would have been. Why wouldn't we just punish somebody after they got proven guilty? Well, I I think it's an interesting idea. I just don't think it's like the same thing as killing someone. No, so it, nobody's gonna like take that as a replacement that believes in capital punishment. I don't. But 
Well, and that's what I'm thinking. I, I get your point, but to me, it's it's not. It can't be compared to killing someone. There are some interesting aspects, like if. I think just focusing on not saying the name isn't really important, but not doing any, not associating with that person is a good first step for anybody that does a violent crime. Like, don't do business with them. Don't, I mean, not not even a violent crime, just any crime you disagree with. Don't do business with that person. Uh, don't recommend them to anything. Okay, anyone, but are you but, talking about doing that after the person is found guilty? Yeah, I'm only talking about ever punishing anyone after they've been okay, found guilty. Okay. There's no reason to ever punish anyone, even if it's just by not saying their name, until they're proven guilty. Correctly. So they are alleging that I had entered into some sort of an agreement to launder the funds from um, wire fraud, which, of course, they've presented absolutely no evidence for whatsoever and then finally the final five through eight counts are the tax evasion counts where they have to prove that mr freeman owed substantially more federal income tax for the year in question that he paid or was assessed second freeman attempted to evade or defeat the assessment or payment of this tax third in attempting to evade or defeat the assessment or payment of the tax mr freeman acted willfully and fourth, Freeman committed an affirmative act in furtherance of the intent. And one of the interesting takeaways from the tax evasion count is the definition of willful, which used here means the law imposed a duty on the defendant. The defendant knew of that duty, and the defendant voluntarily and intentionally violated that duty. Well, but if they also don't have a number for, like, what do you owe? They couldn't they even no say idea. how much you owed or... They've never even bothered to send a letter to me in regards to, quote-unquote, owing taxes. So it's just interesting that they can even try to charge you with this. Yeah, interestingly, it says here, if Freeman acted in good faith, he did not act willfully. So they have to prove Freeman's state of mind, and uh, you can consider the reasonableness of the belief in deciding whether Freeman actually held the belief. So it's a subjective standard. What did Freeman actually believe not what a reasonable person believed. Innocent mistakes caused by the complexity of the inter- Internal Revenue Code or negligence, even gross negligence, are not enough to meet the willfulness requirement. Hmm. So and that's on all four counts, right? This is on the four counts of tax evasion. Yeah, so this is a tough one, it would seem like, uh, to uh, to prove because I don't think I have a duty to pay income taxes for no. more than one reason. Number one, I'm a minister uh, with a church. I don't get an income. I'm sustained by the church. And secondly, and, and we didn't get into the second reason during the trial, but secondly, I don't think there's any duty to pay taxes at all. Well, the last thing he asked technically was he asked what did the, what evidence that did they have against you for the IRS? And it might be uh, interesting to get, get it more into that because I kind of yelled it at him right at the end, but uh, there's more yeah, to it. Yeah, what was it, Bonnie? Um, well, so they brought an IRS lady in. An accountant. An accountant from the IRS in. And she had this uh, like two-page paperwork. And she was like, so I figured out how much income Ian Freeman made from selling Bitcoin from these, uh, I don't remember where she got the information. Local Bitcoins. Local Bitcoins. 4,000 roughly okay. local Bitcoins trades. That's what it was. And she said uh, she figured out how much uh, you made an income, in her words, uh, from the transaction fee. And she added up, did standard deductions and found that you owed like a certain amount 2019 or 2016, 2017, 2018 and 2019. And uh, she was like she was like, "Yep, there's my evidence." And then Sissy goes and cross-examines her and is like, "Did did have you ever sent has the IRS to your knowledge ever sent a letter to Ian uh claiming that he needs to get audited or come in and talk to them because he may owe or anything like that?" 
And she said, no. She didn't know. Oh, she didn't know personally. Sorry. Yeah. Not my department. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, not my department. Yeah. I don't know personally. Sorry. But yeah, Ian never received anything like that. That's right. Uh, she He asked if the, you know, he, she, he was able to say the only time that Ian ever got any, uh, the only time that Ian ever got any contact from the IRS was a letter in Spanish asking him to change his address. And um, so he didn't. Like, he ignored it. Anyways, so, and then Sissy asks the lady, is it typical for the first contact the IRS has with someone that they believe owes to be in a federal court (laughs) on trial? Or I've never heard of that before. (laughs) Normally they send a letter first. Yeah, normally do they send a letter or call someone and tell them they're being audited or or if if that's not the right term, whatever, like you may owe, you may have Mm -hmm. failed to file anything like that. And she's just like, uh, I don't know. And um, I think she said in general, yes, but she is not in the general department. She's in the special investigations or whatever uh-oh. department it was that she was in. Well, and then she asked, uh, or Sissy asked, so looking at these things, did you sit down with Ian and uh, have a conversation with him about his deductions or is this just standard deductions? And she's like, yeah, I just did a standard deductions. And he was like, so it's possible that this isn't technically correct it's just a, a like an estimate right and she's like yeah it's te- possible it's not correct and he said it's actually possible that ian may owe nothing correct and she said correct and he's <laughs> he mic dropped and walked back yeah. to his seat. <laughs> that's awesome well David. and that's the thing too because it's a very specific number that you're gonna owe right so they can't just do oh here's some standard deductions that's especially if you owe. well exactly I mean, and i'm of the belief i don't owe anything because i don't have any income as a exactly minister. so they the, they would need to work that out with you specifically when bitcoin a transaction happens on bitcoin it does not mean that bitcoin is being transmitted anywhere that doesn't happen And I explained this to the jury yesterday when I took the stand in my own defense. I explained to them that when a transaction happens on Bitcoin, basically what you have happening is on the blockchain, those coins are associated with a certain account, not even account, a certain wallet uh, identification, not a human identification, not a person, but with a wallet ID and the uh, what they call unspent transaction outputs are destroyed and recreated associated with a different wallet ID in the same place. So they're not even moving on the same ledger. So they could try to claim, oh, well, it's moving from one location on the ledger to another location on the ledger. Like right? like if like well, you had a piece of paper and the entry moves from the top to the bottom of the paper. Like That's not what they intended when they, they wrote the statute, but it doesn't even do that. Well, and it's clear right? that they don't care what it does. No, they because don't. Because you tried to explain it, and then Sisti brought it up again. Yep. And the prosecution was just like, well, I no. don't care. The prosec- we, we did it right here in this court. I sent it to her. Her her account went up. Mine went down. And that's that. That's it's, it's the same. That's nope. movement. They nope. made an explanation about buying a car, not about... And they then that's what Nikki was re- referring to. It wasn't about... Bitcoin at all. It didn't explain the mechanics of Bitcoin at all. No, and they don't care what the mechanics of Bitcoin are. All they understand is like debit, credit, like they only understand bank accounts and things like that. And they want you to think it's the same thing. Exactly. And they don't care about crypto. They don't care about blockchain technology. They don't care. They They don't know. They 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 don't want to know. Oh, they care a lot. That's why it they're seems doing like they're, they're willfully ignorant, though they don't. Oh yeah, no, they even don't if you try know. to explain it to them, they don't care. They well, I guess 
they care because they hate it, yeah. but they don't actually want to understand the no, technology. They want to shoehorn it into yeah. their old system. You know? They want to say, oh, well, it's got a send and receive button on the wallet, so that must mean it's transmitted. And it's like, no, 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 no. It has send and receive buttons on the wallet so humans can have some sort of conceptualization yeah. of how to use this thing. Because people don't need to know. Like, when you flip the switch... When you walk into a room... Yeah, you don't need to know about the circuits. And- right. You don't like, need like to know how app- electricity moves across power lines. That app right? on your desktop that says recycling and you drag a file into it so that way it's gone. It's not really recycling. That's just a way for humans to understand it intuitively. Yeah. It's, yeah. Wait, it's not a real trash in there? <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, it, that's a perfect example, Bonnie. It's so- a Jewy thing. A G-U-I thing. What? Oh, goo- gooey. Gooey. Gooey <laughs> sounds a little more offensive. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean it like that. I meant ju- gooey, whatever. On Hanukkah? <laughs> well, yeah. okay, whatever. She is Jewish, so she can get away with it, I think. Yeah, I'm just as Jewish as the next free state or so. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they don't get it. They don't want to get it. They want to shoehorn everybody into this old system that has not been, the laws have not been updated. There was some talk during this trial about how in 2021 the federal government changed the money transmitter statutes. Well, does that matter though? But they in still your case, no. But the thing is, they still didn't change it to actually talk about something that could possibly regulate Bitcoin. They just and I don't have the wording in in front of me right here, and they don't even use it in the uh, in this particular count. But they it was something like they added sort of. There's a series of things that they say that are fall under this money transmitter uh, status or statute or whatever. So there's like currency, there's value, and then – or no, there's currency, there's funds, and then there's quote-unquote value that substitutes for currency. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live. 